The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! fans made the trip to Yankee Stadium. Among them, Jack White, one of the greatest guitarists in music today. He's here, a big, big Tigers fan, sitting in the front row here at Yankee Stadium. And earlier, he was inside the clubhouse. And now he's sitting front row watching this one. It'll be the only game of the series that he's able to see. Mario, big baseball fan, wants to see all 30 ballparks so far. He's got nine under his belt as we speak here tonight. Back up to you. Pretty cool story. Thanks, Trub. Yeah, Jack White, in fact, came up to the booth and saw us uh, when he was in town last week. He sure did. He's a big baseball fan, obviously. Wait until you see the new collaboration between Jack White and Ian Kinsler. White, the Detroit-born musician and huge Tigers fan, and Kinsler formed an unlikely friendship last season, and then they decided to go into business together making war stick baseball bats. They took that a step further this offseason when they got together and made a film that explores the deep recesses of a hitter's mind. It's heavy stuff. Popcorn, here, get popcorn over here. Uh, I'll take one, popcorn. Thank you very much. One popcorn for the gentleman. Yeah, I'll take. Yeah, that's right. I'll take one popcorn. Uh, how how much right. will that be? Popcorn over here. Who else wants I, a popcorn no, over he's here? He's passing me by. No, I want the popcorn. Give me the popcorn, and I want. I. It's my corn, and I want it now. Now here, now listen here, now listen here. I don't like your tone, Sonny, and I'm not gonna give you any popcorn. I do not like your tone. No one does. It's really unpleasant to most ears. I think we're gonna need someone to settle this dispute. And only someone with acute knowledge of the rules of everything to do with baseball could possibly help us right now. If only there was someone in this baseball stadium who is familiar with the rules of baseball that was perhaps a beloved character we haven't seen on the show in a long time and I'm giving you a prompt. I don't have any money. You're out of here! (laughs) Hey! It's Umpire James! It's Umpire James! Why did you turn into the Macho Man? His voice used to be. You are literally the Macho Man Randy Savage right now. That's right. You're out of here. You're out of here. I'm out of here. We're all out of here. It's umpire James to the rescue. I know baseball inside me, inside you, inside sports, inside ball, inside baseball. That's what they call it. 
James stumbled on a conspiracy theory in his own sentence. <laughs> now, what I want you to do is you, sir. Yeah. You. Yeah. You give him one popcorn. That's one strike. Okay. You, sir, you give him one penny. <laughs> and that's two strikes. You, sir, on the street who has nothing to do with this conversation, you're out of here. All right, all right. Uh, Yes, I think think our dispute has been solved. Thank you, Umpire James. I am going to move on. Would anyone, would any other beloved characters be interested in popcorn away? (laughs) There's somebody saying turkey. (laughs) I thought for sure. Whatever his name was that what that loved his son was coming out, but I did not realize Carl. Carl, it's been so long since we've seen you. Oh yes, it's our, it's nearly Thanksgiving, and you're offering a hot butter turkey. <laughs> Carl, I can see the confusion. I've left the bit behind. I just want to talk to Carl now. Um, I can see the confusion in the butter ball and the and the pop. And the buttered popcorn. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Now I've heard that this year the butter is, oh, the butter, the silky smooth fat of the cow. <laughs> sure. Um, now, <laughs> wait a minute. We've all heard of regular hot buttered popcorn. We've heard of popcorn <clears throat> chicken, uh, and now I, I've heard you're, you're coming out with popcorn turkey. Can you tell us what that's about? I'm very excited about the popcorn turkey. It's full. <laughs> It's literally the smallest bits we could find on the earth. So small, you wouldn't even believe it to be me. This went off the rails a long time ago. Uh, my, my name is Paul Kaminsky, and welcome to the Third Men Podcast. I'm your co-host. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. Boy, these intros are great. I was just listening uh, to one in the car, James, and I was thinking, boy, this went on way too long. Whatever official ears may be listening to this now uh they are no longer listening to it after that so we can say whatever we want now this is our third man records podcast and we talk about third man records at jack white and jack white related bands and all sorts of musicians in and around that scene yeah you know usually james we cover music related things but today we've got something extra special that you've prepared for us that sort of ties into another show that we did a while ago but james do you want to tell the good people what you've prepared for tonight it's a it's a special one i'll give you a little hint in song form paul (laughs) take me out to the can you guess oh boy Take yep, me no out to the... Paul, today's topic revolves around Jack White and baseball. We're doing a whole baseball-centric episode here. Oh, it's very exciting. There's uh, more than you'd think tying the great American pastime of baseball with Mr. Jack White. And we, as I alluded to earlier, we sort of touched on this in, uh, I guess, fairly great detail in our extended interview with Mr. Ben Jenkins last year in the waning summer months of 2017. Oh, we were younger men then, James. Just barely. Uh, A young (laughs) Barack Obama was a year out of office. Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson hadn't gone out yet. 
Yeah, it was some. It was a different world. So anyway, we talked with Ben Jenkins, who is, uh, of course, the co-owner of Warstick, their baseball bat company, uh, along with Jack White and Ian Kinsler. Ben is the founder of that company, and his graphic design company, One Fast Buffalo, is at the forefront of that. And Ben was kind enough to sit down and talk to us for an hour and a half, I think, last time. But James, Ben is going to be back this week. We got Ben Jenkins back on the show to give us some hot takes. Some good Warstick scuttlebutt. Some hot to butter to scuttlebutt. And and we'd really like to thank Ben for joining us again, but I think this episode's going to be a little different, James, where we're going to get into some more facts about Jack specifically in baseball, and then Ben is going to kind of pop up at the end there and give us an update on all things Warstick. So lots of good stuff happening here, and I'm, uh, I'm mm. very, very excited. Yeah, but before we get to all that, Paul... James, is there something, something, something... It's one of those. <laughs> James, is there is there a story that uh, somebody would like to tell? It's every single one's got, got a story, story to tell. Paul, every single one's got a story to tell. I don't know why I'm addressing you with this. We're addre- I'm addressing the audience with this. Is is when you got you audience out there write to us with a story relating to Third Man Records or a show you saw. You tell us, and we tell everybody else, I guess, because we're gossips and you can't trust us. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, well, James, we sometimes uh, hear from our listeners about some uh, shows and things. We've- seen from across the Jack White world and things that they've seen from across the Jack White world would probably be the more uh, accurate statement there. And this week, James, we got regular listener Brett Garski, the Brett 3 killed my Garski, checking in with us to tell us about his viewing of the Joshua Headley concert at the Globe Hall in Denver, Colorado on uh, October 19th, this past October. Pronounced global. Globe, Globe Hall. Yes. That, James, that pun was, was A, barely a pun, C, and B, and C hit me like a sack of bricks. Anyway, Josh Headley. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it, you know, admittedly, I am not as versed in Josh Headley as I am in some other third man acts, such as Margot Price or Lily May or stuff like that. So I'm a little uh, new to the Josh Headley world, but I've been looking to dip my toe in there. We know that our third woman in spirit, Callie Durga, loves Josh. So um, I think that's that's in my future. And I'm looking forward to diving in there. But uh, James Brett writes in to tell us that after years of playing uh, Nashville Honky Tonks, Josh became really a legend in that local scene. And now that he is frontman in his own band and signed to Third Man Records, he's really branched out and started to move beyond uh, Tennessee into the into a broader appeal. He's been kind of killing it lately. He had his LP Mr. Jukebox come out, and he's got didn't he have a new mm. single recently. Yeah, and something new. We really gotta, we really gotta get our Headley game on. Yeah, well, he's got his, uh, he's got some new music coming out. He's on this tour right now, and he he wound up swinging by the state of Colorado, where Brett Garsky saw the show, and uh, Brett uh, writes in to tell us that Headley began with the Willie Nelson classic Nightlife. 
that seamlessly flowed into Headley's original song, I Never Shed a Tear. And he said that the tune could have easily been on the same 60s-era album, meaning that Joshua Headley has captured the essence of that sort of Willie Nelson-style country, which, James, I think you and I would never describe ourselves in Australia as country people, but, you know, Margot being more akin to, like, a Loretta Lynn kind of act, and Headley maybe skewing into more Willie Nelson territory, I think is something that we both might find a little more palatable. Uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't consider myself a country person. I consider myself more yeah. of a globe hall person. Uh, please stop making that work. <laughs> I think this is a show first where I told James, please stop. <laughs> anyway, after the band came to join him, Headley cover Johnny Paycheck's Colorado Kool-Aid and said, what is Colorado Kool-Aid? Well, it's a can of Coors brewed from a mountain stream. It'll set your head on fire and make your kidneys scream. So there's that. Also, it's it's Sharkleberry Finn flavored. All right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Global. Brett, uh, thank you. Brett, Brett finishes here with the band closing with uh, Mr. Jukebox, the title track of his album, and the slogan on the sweatshirts, the entire band was wearing, Headley yelled, we are trying to sell the f- out of these. So that's interesting. And also on the bill was Kelsey Walden and a local band, Extra Gold. So uh, that's really, really cool. And Brett took it a step further when he got a chance to meet Josh after the show. He was pleasant enough to sign some autographs and get a picture. Uh, so that's that's really cool. And Headley had apparently also told Brett that Ben Swank called him to ask him to join the bill at the upcoming show with Jack White and Margo Price in Nashville, the last of the Boarding House Reach Tour, which is pretty cool. That is going to be a hell of a show. Can I say it'll be a globe hell of a show? Yeah, all right. You could do that. So thank you, Brett. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's thanks. every single one's got a story to globe tell. Oof. All right, James, I'm ready to get into this. What do you say? Let's play ball. Let's let's get into this. Baseball and Jack White have been linked. Uh, so I, I, I wanted to start off with, basically, I wanted to get into what baseball means to Jack. He says, to me, it's the most meditative sport. It brings out a lot of thought for me. The game is hmm. long and peaceful. You have these movements of brutal action that break up the peacefulness. It's really meditative to me. And it makes sense. I think it's it fits Jack's profile, not just for the sort of old-timey, okay. esoteric nature of the game, but also it is a, you know, I think you'd call it a thinking man sport a little bit. It's not quite got the brute force of a football or the... Uh, confusion of a cricket game yeah the confusion of a cricket game or the sort of straightforward matchup of a of a soccer or baseball is much more like a chess game which is much more something in line with what i would imagine jack would be interested in you know he's a guy who likes to stretch his intellectual muscles 
and there's a combination of athleticism and and planning there which i think he might find appealing so i you know i'm i'm sure whatever his personal connection to the sport are i'm sure it speaks to him on a spiritual level definitely and probably has been with him since he was very very young he said that he's always been a tigers fan it makes sense because he he grew up very close to to tiger stadium over there in detroit Mm. but he's always been a tigers fan he said he had He's had family members who've worked on the the grounds crew there at Detroit Stadium and at the concession stands at the old Tiger Stadium. And when asked who his favorite player growing up was, he threw out Stan Poppy, a, a man who was traded around for a number of years and was on the Detroit Tigers at the very end of his few-year career in 1980 to 1981. Uh, he was a light-hitting utility man, says Yahoo Sports News. Um, <laughs> so, uh, All right. he clearly has some favorites and some memories growing up around baseball. Yeah, and also uh, his friends seem to be into baseball because uh, Dominic, at that time, Suhita, we know, was a baseball fan from a young age, so I'm sure he and Dominic had that in common as well his as well as his brothers and, you know, other friends at school and things. Yes. So as we know, he obviously was following in uh, the early 80s, 1980 to 1981, if he knew who Stan Poppy was, uh, right. but... We also know that he must have been at least entrenched in the baseball community because he appeared in the 1983 instant classic TV movie, Tiger Town. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. Tell me more. Did he get a big part? Nine-year-old Jack White can be seen in the crowd of the old Tiger Stadium cheering on... (laughs) The Detroit Tigers in this instant classic 1983 TV movie, Tiger Town. I was actually in the crowd in a movie they made in the old Tiger City called Tiger Town when I was like nine years old. I don't know if anybody remembers that movie. How did this dude make his way into multiple films as a child? (laughs) What is up with that? Well, he was also an altar boy in the stadium. I just wanted to be James, in my head canon, this one and the Rosary Murders are linked, and I want to learn everything about this film that you've got. Okay, via IMDb, the movie is about Alex and his father are Detroit Tigers fans. The team is not doing well, and Alex's favorite player, Billy Young, isn't either. Oh, no. The team's and Billy's luck turn around after Alex experiences a tragedy that hits close to home. I don't know what that tragedy is, Paul, and I will soon because Tiger Town in its entirety is available on YouTube. Oh, my God. I will be watching. I will be watching. I am. Can I say this? I am willing. Classic made for TV movie Tiger Town. <laughs> I am willing to put money on the mom died. Maybe, possibly. Would you have any guess as to who plays Mr. Billy Young, Alex's favorite player in the movie Tiger Town? Oh man! All right, so it had to be somebody in their late twenties. In 1983, which narrows it down to a couple choice candidates on my part, my uh-huh. I'm going to give you three, okay? Okay. And you have to tell me hot or cold on each of them. Kevin Bacon. Um, warm. Warm. Okay. Christopher Walken. Mm, cold. Fred Ward. No. Paul, that's three guesses. All three are wrong. And I'm out of here! Yeah. You're out of here! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who was it, James? Hit me. I'm gonna, was I'm it? Wait, gonna wait, 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 wait. 1983. Was it Alf? Who are you? What are you? A little background. My name is Alf. I come from the planet Melmac. I'm a member of a civilization millions of years ahead of your own. And now I live in a laundry basket next to the washing machine. <laughs> 
cup of Java? It was Alf, yes. What? Alf. <laughs> it was played by TV's Alf. Willie, you look like sh- in 2018. Ha! <laughs> I know. I know. You're something Willie made. He's always making crazy things in the garage. Take my word for it. I'm a space being. What would you tell me if I said the name Roy Schneider? (gasps) I would say that sounds an awful lot like Roy Scheider. That's what I meant. Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider. Justin Henry. In a special encore performance of Tiger Town. Whoa. (laughs) Chief Brody himself? And there's no limit to what he's going to do. I mean, we've already had three incidents. Two people killed inside of a week, and it's going to happen again. It happened before. The Jersey Beach. 1916, there were five five people people chewed up in the surf. In one week. Tell them about the swimmers. Chief Brody from Jaws plays Billy Young, Alex's favorite (laughs) player in 1983's instant classic made-for-TV movie, Tiger Town. Well, first of all, my interest is... Thoroughly peaked. I am titillated on many levels right now. And I, if that movie does not end with Roy Scheider sticking a an air tank in young Alex's mouth and then shooting it, and then, then I don't. Jack White in the audience applauding wildly. <laughs> He's like, I think you're lining everybody up in this stadium to be a hot lunch. I think '83 is, if I'm mistaken, and I'm probably mistaken. Maybe Jaws three was '83. Jaws 3 might have been earlier than 83, but it's at least in that ballpark. I could look it up, but... Yeah, other notable 1983 films, this one went up against, James, Return of the Jedi. So I think if you're going to go between Return of the Jedi and whatever this movie's called, which I've forgotten... 1983's instant classic made-for-TV movie, Tiger Town? Wow, that's crazy. Does Jack ever talk about this, or is this something somebody found? Brought it up to a, a sports reporter... On the field, actually, when discussing baseball. Really? Uh, while Jack was at a game, yes. Wow. Is that the it's, one where he's got Ian Kinsler out there and they're talking about... No, I I think this was before Kinsler was even a part of the picture. We'll get to that a little later, but I thought it worth mentioning, so I'm very intrigued and I'm going to watch that movie. That is very wow. cool, James. Thank you for finding that. It's brought some light into my life. <laughs> so not only was he in this movie about baseball, he also played a little baseball when he was younger. He was a part of the informal summer program in Clark Park. They had a baseball program there, which was run by the, the City Parks and Recreation Department. And he was coached by Ben Blackwell's dad and his brother-in-law, uh, Mr. Morris Coach Mo Blackwell. Wow, Mo Blackwell. All right. Yes. That's, that's um, cool. I love I love the name. Yes. Via the Detroit Times, he was good. Smooth left-handed swing, says Mo. All right. Well, so Mo Blackwell, teacher extraordinaire and coach. Yeah, he he coached during the school year as well in Dearborn and he ran the Clark Park baseball summer program since 1974. Jack would uh, later anonymously, but everybody kind of knows it's him, donate to help refurbish Clark Park's baseball fields later on that's very Um, sweet and reminds me a little bit of how his family was involved in the masonic temple and he donated a bunch of money to help refurbish that so you know jack's been pretty good to his old hometown i'd say yeah it was around the same time he he first donated in 2008 to help revamp the baseball diamonds and install some dugouts and grandstands after the city had had uh, dropped some funding for the park and detroit news identified him in 2009 as being the anonymous donor although it's still 
anonymous, uh, but everybody kind of kind of knows. But now now Clark Park is run by a a nonprofit coalition of locals who who help fund and fundraise for it and jack continues to to donate through there the the baseball field had had kind of fallen into some disrepair and one of the coalition volunteers diane sumner tried to get jack white to stage some kind of benefit concert with the hopes of raising some money to to fix up the place and jack was trying to schedule something but instead sumner received a a call from a lawyer in los angeles who said that an anonymous donor wanted to give $170,000 $170,000 to Clark Park. Wow. Most of this is coming from the Detroit News. That is a lot of dough. Director of the Clark Park Coalition, Anthony Benavides, says uh, White still donates. He still checks in every once in a while to see how things are going. And, you know, the, the park has been around for, for quite a while and celebrated its 25th anniversary in 2016 huh. uh, and held a dinner at Third Man Records for that very event for the 25th anniversary of their coalition so third man third man's still very connected to clark park in this this baseball uh, yeah program i think i remember that i think for some reason this is all ringing a bell and maybe we had covered it in one of our year in review episodes but that is all ringing uh, a bell for me james although i can't quite can't quite place the specifics at, at the moment but that is very very cool and totally consistent with Jack's generosity toward the city of Detroit and the neighborhoods he grew up in. Yeah, rings the school bell. Yeah, we never ever have to hear the rings the school bells. From there, we're gonna we're gonna skip along to some more Jack White baseball trivia, which is Jack White going to games. Let's take me out to the ball game, James. <laughs> so uh, Jack White can be spotted. Uh, at a, at numerous games throughout the years, he's he's quite the baseball fan. He's he's been trying to get to to every major stadium that he can, and he'll usually catch a a Detroit Tigers game if he can help it. Yeah, it's not not uncommon to see him there. What is kind of odd is that the the media and specifically Major League Baseball's like bloggers have kind of turned him into a meme. Oh, uh, yes. Distant, gloomy stare that mm-hmm. he can have in the stands. Mm-hmm. Now, a distant, gloomy stare isn't, like, abnormal at a baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it, it's a game that consists mostly of staring at small, tiny men running around in the sun for about 3 to 12 hours. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you could... If you're really into the game, you're in a lot of concentration and you're paying attention to the score and paying attention to the players and stats in your head. So, like, it makes sense. It requires a lot of concentration, James. I've seen Star Trek. I know what 3D chess is. It's basically the uh, same thing. It's basically that. But for some reason, (laughs) Jack's frown stands out amongst the throngs of people probably due to his fame. Yep. That's unfortunate, and we'll get into that a little bit later in our Ben Jenkins interview. Yes, we will. Ben has some thoughts for those people. Yes, and time is a flat circle. Yeah. I was looking at my watch today, and my watch is is flat, and I was like, oh. (laughs) I guess time is a flat circle. It's literally a flat circle. Anyway, that's from, like, True Detective Season 1. Like, it's such a weird (laughs) poll that we've just... But now it's our thing. But now now it's our thing now. Anyway, the meme became so prevalent that Major League Baseball's official blog writes about it as moody mug quite often. Um, Mm. They did a fun one, though, where they used all Jack White lyrics to describe him at a ball game. Really? Which I'll read, because that one's actually kind of entertaining, and they're... 
in good fun, it seems. Yeah. Looking to have a baseball and a biscuit, Jack White was spotted at Wrigley in the cold, cold night. Even though it might get loud with some trash-tongued talkers, White still brought his young daughter so she could see the sluggers provide some icky thump. Hey! Fortunately, there were no 300-mile torrential outpour blues and no dead leaves in the dirty ground among the immaculately manicured ivy. Later in the game, Mark Grant sung Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and Jack White just didn't know what to do with himself. And then they showed his his face. Oh, all um, of that was pretty good. Like, that's somebody who either Googled real hard that day or knew the material. <laughs> yeah, it, it, could be, it could be much, much worse. Even when Jack does get photographed smiling at a game they they don't they don't really give him any breaks because then it's newsworthy for some reason that he's smiling at a game (laughs) i remember that i remember when this meme happened i was sort of like like part of me was just sort of happy he had that mainstream breakthrough even if it was for something weird like that just for a moment (laughs) but then the other part of me is like all right because it was coming at the if i'm recalling correctly it was coming at the time of like the guacamole gate stuff and all this it it was just like the press was piling on in this dumb way and trying to paint him as some as an eccentric and all that and it was around the time that he went off about rolling stone and i want to say this is like beginning of the lazaretto era so the the love affair with the blunderbuss era is sort of drawing to a close and now people are sharpening their knives looking for something to attack the man with uh, was i happy he was getting publicity yes was i happy he was in the public uh, in the zeitgeist still to that point yes was any of this fair to jack white no and it's uh it's kind of unfortunate that it happened although at the time i remember having mixed feelings about it yeah it's one of those things where people are just like hey look it's your your guy jack white being sad and i'm like i i guess i guess (laughs) (laughs) anyway so he could be he could be spotted at at many a game over there he was spotted at the game three of the world series in 2012 uh the giants first tigers world series well the tigers uh, yeah yeah yeah, via Yahoo Sports News. Forget about Jack White ever yowling out a memorable rendition of the national anthem. Fox TV star Zoe Deschanel is handling the duties for Game 3, <laughs> and Motown legend Aretha Franklin scheduled for Game 5. Not that White would have volunteered. I'm not a singer, he says. I'm a vocalist. There's a difference. <laughs> and I thought that was very funny that uh, when he was being interviewed, he's just like, stop, stop it. I don't know. Stop trying to make me feud with Zoe Deschanel. Bizarre thing. Uh, he also said, it's great to be out here now. I've only been to one game here at Comerica Park, which is the, the new Detroit Tigers stadium that opened up recently. Mm. He said, by the time they opened it, I was already out touring. It was around this time uh, that Jack had licensed his music to Fox Sports and Major League Baseball. Ooh for the National League Championship games. Ooh, which uh, uh, so that was which songs were used, do you know? I'm assuming Seven Nation Army was was definitely used for stadium music. Yeah, and uh, I think I'm not sure about If I'm recalling correctly, 5 on the 5 was used for but I think that was football. Yeah, I believe that was football. Yeah. But, but interesting. He could still be seen at games here and there around, but uh, in 2015 he visited the uh, Tigers spring training during the Lazaretto tour. Mm-hmm. He made a stop off to watch them do their training, and he met with a bunch of the players, including Jose Iglesias. And via Jose Iglesias' Twitter, he says, Thank you, Jack White, thank you for coming today. 
unos de los grandes en la música, <laughs> uh, which I had Ariel translate for me, which is one of the biggest in music. Hey, so Jose go. Iglesias is a, is a very big fan. He actually uses Jack White material as walk-up music, and we'll get into that a little later. Uh, do we know um, if he met Ian Kinsler at that time? He did meet Ian Kinsler. I'm not sure if he met him here but Ian was using his music at this point. I believe Ian was using Lazaretto Ooh, as his walk-up music. That's cool. I kind of skipped forward there to 2015. But in 2014, July 29th, Jack White throws the first pitch at a Detroit Tigers That's game. right. I remember this. And now Tigers Did they make a baseball card out of it or something? They did. Tops made a trading card of Jack yeah. for this game uh, in their 2015 first pitch series. That's so cool. Yeah, which also I- included uh, Eddie Vedder, I think, was also one of the, the ones included in that. Uh, third band friend, Eddie Vedder, who uh, yeah. would the next year perform live at Third Band with Pearl Jam. And uh, Jack White brought his Rolling Records store to Comerica Park and offered a 15% discount for anyone wearing Tiger's gear. Uh, it was a Christmas in July night at the park, Ooh. and he threw the first pitch to Lalo, who was dressed in a Santa suit. <laughs> okay. All right. So every year around the holidays, we scour the internet for images that pertain to Jack White and the holidays for use on our social media channels. And I have come across that image and use said image several times not knowing Lala was the one in the Santa outfit so James thank you for letting me know that I will forever now look at that picture and understand that it is in fact Lala under there Jack White joked it's just one of those days you throw a split fingered fastball a Santa Claus he said to the, he said to Detroit Free Press that's awesome White also apparently asked Tigers if he could have baseball player Miguel Cabrera swing at his pitch but the team rec- refused the request. Jack also wore uh, what he claimed to be the only existing championship ring from the 1919 World Series. But Jack apparently has the, quote, only existing one. That seems like something he would own. <laughs> it does seem like something he would own. Jack says, I figured if there was any time to wear this, today was the day, <laughs> he told the free press, since we're playing the White Sox. He uh, he was wearing a Detroit Stars Negro League jersey. Wow. Uh, and, yeah, that's a bold move. It is and, a bold move. That is a, that's either extremely confident or somewhat insensitive, but I'm going to go with confident. <laughs> and they were blasting Icky Thump as he delivered a pitch, which did hit the ground before reaching home plate, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Look, it happens to everybody. <laughs> um, it's okay. I will say, James, okay. can I say this? Speaking as someone who's seen the man play baseball, he is not a bad baseball player. He's a pretty good baseball player. Let's cut him a little slack. I think George Bush only made the ball go somewhat off the, like, a little bit off the mound. So, like, let's... It's fine. Okay. You know? Okay. It's fine. I mean, I just... Uh, Chewbacca was able to do it, Paul. James, on Kashyyyk, where gravity is different, <laughs> muscles are stronger, pitches are thrown with more gusto, 
And honestly, Lumpy spent a lot of time with Chewie in the backyard learning how to throw those balls while Grandpa stayed inside and watched Grace Jones pornography. So there's lots going on on Kashyyyk, and I'm going to need you to just give Jack that one because he did not have the opportunity to throw balls with Lumpy all day. (laughs) I do forget about the Lumpy factor. Thank you for reminding me about the Lumpy factor. For those of you not familiar... We're sorry. Um, uh, Jack White was also, uh, speaking of World Series games, he was at game one of the World Series this year, which was the Red Sox versus the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he was, as TheBlast.com puts it, kind of rooting for both sides here. Yeah. Because he and co-owner Ben Jenkins, who will be coming up next, and their company Warstick had a player on both teams with Worstick bats. Yeah. During game one, Kemp, one of the Dodgers, hit the first home run of the series with a Worstick bat. Yeah, yeah. We'll get um, into all that with Ben a little bit later. That's pretty cool stuff. Uh, and now Jack was in attendance when the Cubs won the World Series. I know that uh, because at the time I remember uh, seeing him in his Cubs jersey. I think that was 2016. Uh, the World Series 2016, and uh, some lucky fans had seen him had come coming out of the stadium, whichever stadium that was, I'm not sure, but yeah, I believe he was also at that series. That was him in the Cubs shirt. That was him. And I believe rooting for the Cubs. If you're wearing the jersey, you're rooting for the Cubs. Chicago's not far from Michigan, so. Yeah. Wish I could have gone back and in time, seen Jack root for the Cubbies. Mayor. Yeah. Jack White is mayor. Yeah. Hey, you know that sound you've been looking for? <laughs> well, listen to this. It's Marvin Gaye's new song. But uh, classic bit. Yeah, I mean that brings up Warstick, which we've we've talked about Warstick in the past, Paul. So I'm not gonna really go go over it again. Yeah, if anyone would like to learn more about Warstick, well, they can stick around for our interview later in this very episode. Or they can check out our extended interview with Ben Jenkins, again, from last year. Check that out. The episode number, I think it's episode 57. It is episode 57, Paul. But just to give you some background, Jack White has had some monetary investments in baseball with Warstick, with co-owners Ben Jenkins and Ian Kinsler, both sportsmen, both ballplayers. Yeah, uh, Ian, we just talked a little bit about the teams he's playing on and, and played in, in the World Series, but Ben Jenkins, also a baseball player. He played uh, some independent ball out of college, also played with the Phillies Farm League, and he did not wind up pursuing it for, for a variety of reasons you can hear in the uh, aforementioned episode 57. But yeah, both uh, are very experienced and both take the game very seriously. Ben himself takes the game extremely seriously when i uh, saw him play at the battle at the beach sandlot war this past summer he was in the zone shall we say and uh very very concerned with the team winning and i can't blame him i was rooting for the warstick woodsman as well so yeah so it's a it's a design fueled baseball bat company which is now approved for major league use Mm -hmm. And Jack White is one of the forces behind that. He says, it's bringing a layer of design to a world that doesn't really care about it, in my opinion. Hmm. With a lot of sports equipment, that's usually the last thing on the menu. 
form follows function, but we wanted to take this tool and turn it into an instrument that has more layers in it. Jack is clearly 100% behind this, and I'm excited to, to talk more about it with Ben Jenkins soon, but we'll move on until then to the Warstick Sandlot games, which you just mentioned, Paul. Mm. Jack White, when he is on the road, will occasionally stop off and play some smaller games with uh, some folks around the area just to play baseball and kind of relax and have fun and sometimes raise money for charity. Yeah. He's been doing it since 2016 via the Warstick blog. Jack White's Third Man Records came together as the Third Men Triples to participate (laughs) in Billy Reed's annual shindig baseball game at the University of North Alabama. The round robin style wood bat tournament kicked off shindig number eight with games between the Alabama Slammers, led by Billy Reed, the Texas Playboys, and the Third Man Triples, led by Warstick co-owner and Grammy Award-winning artist Jack White and founder Ben Jenkins. So uh, he's been doing this for years now at this point. You know, I sort of forgot Ben played for the uh, Third Man Triples. That's kind of fun. Yeah. It seems like a world away. Like, 2016 seems like just a different universe for the Jack world. (laughs) Like, boarding, there's like pre and post Boarding House Reach Tour. Yeah. We were still in the Jack drought in 2016. Like, we were at Acoustic Recordings time. It seems like so much time has passed, and yet not a whole lot of time has passed since that year where everyone thought the arbitrary unit of time was trying to kill them. Well, we all know it's a flat circle, and we all know what a Langolier is, Paul. (laughs) It's a circle with teeth. Ooh, um, sick pull. So Jack would keep playing uh, some of these games, including this during this Boarding House Reach Tour. He would play a lot of these Sandlot games, yeah. which we'll get into uh, again with Ben Jenkins in this interview, but I'll just list a couple of them. In April, he played in Texas with the Texas Playboys uh, to help out the Scottish Rite Hospital. He played in Tulsa, Oklahoma against the Green Country All-Stars with his Warstick Woodman Mm -hmm. to celebrate supporting Native American youth athletics. And they they were funding some Native American athletic facilities and tribal lands and stuff, Hmm. as well as they played in Santa Monica, uh, again, for charity. No, not Santa Um, Monica. Now, Battle at the Beach was in uh, just here in Los Angeles. It was on San Fernando Road, not far from my uh, apartment here in Glendale. Yeah, so they uh, that was just in the uh, city of Los Angeles. And uh, they also played in, in Cooperstown, home of the Cooperstown, New York, home of the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, mm. which, speaking of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Paul, Ooh. Jack White has had many run-ins with the Baseball Hall of Fame, or at least two, in 2014 in route from a show in Cleveland to another at Fenway Park. Jack had his bus stop in Cooperstown to visit the Hall of Fame, and the the whole third man gang, uh, Scooby-Doo style, I'm sure, uh, loaded <laughs> off of their van and had the opportunity for a private tour of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Which does sound like the plot of a Scooby-Doo episode now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, uh, for sure. There's just one guy in there showing the haunted <laughs> baseball stuff. Anyway, they got a private tour of the Hall of Fame and Jack got to hold one of Ty Cobb's gloves. Whoa, uh, that's awesome. Which was a a big moment for him uh, there is a photo of it but he's got the elvis hair in this and he's he's holding the gloves he looks just so very happy yeah yeah i think baseball makes him happy james in the way that hobbies you know it's just it's like a hobby for him and so music yeah. as a business can be a grind i'm sure even though he loves it and has a passion for it and so baseball is this release for him and just being able to reach out and touch that world for for him i'm sure must be a, a great experience so you see a lot of happy pictures of jack uh, in association with baseball which once again makes that meme all the more strange but go on 
Yeah, yeah. In 2018, he would also go back to the Hall of Fame when he was playing Brewery Amagang in Cooperstown in May of this year, and Hall of Fame president Jeff Idelson helped arrange a Sandlot game there that I just mentioned, despite the rain that was going on that day. And Jeff also presented him with a faux induction plaque that looked very much like the ones that they unveiled that previous Sunday night for the the new inductees into the Hall of Fame, which Ariel and I apparently accidentally were in attendance of, <laughs> um, because we wandered, so, so people were exiting, and they held the door open for us as we were going in, thinking the museum was open, and we saw a lot of people in super dressed up in fancy tuxedos and stuff, yeah. and then we were almost all the way in, and some guy said, do you have uh, tickets? And we said... Uh, we were going to buy some, and they said, no, 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 this is a private event, please leave. Um, so very good, very there's good. that. Yeah, which um, you can hear the, about in more detail. I think it was episode 75. Best of Fell in Love. Uh, the sh- 75, yeah. yes. Best of Fell in Love of the Show, 75. And if you want to hear the full story of the Battle at the Beach Sandlot game, you can listen to episode 79 of the show, What I Did on My Summer Vacation. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Jack is quite a good baseball player. So the, the plaque called jack the motor city master and showed him wearing a tiger's cap and uh, it also said on there became one of the most prolific musicians in history launched by masterpiece seven nation army which became a cult classic at major league ballparks raised in the shadows of tiger stadium the the hall isn't displaying the plaque said <laughs> <laughs> said jeff idelson but in december it'll display one of the bats jack white used in that game Very that cool. they played in Cooperstown, and Jack said, what a crazy honor. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very awesome. So, Paul, I think that'll move us along to our second-to-last topic, sports anthems. Sports anthems? Tell me more. Mm. Jack White has has had a, a lot of songs and other releases relating to baseball, as well as having, you know, some anthems associated with Jack that are played in stadiums often. But we'll start with Battle Cry. because we've gotten into it on previous occasions. Battle Cry was a single released by Jack to to help promote Warstick as well as raise charity money for Native youth. And uh, it is a, a cool solo single that features Daru Jones on drums and basically the whole third man gang uh, are, are on that song. And it is a crazy cool single if you haven't heard it. Yeah, remember when this came out, I was so excited. We all thought it was heralding the arrival of the next Jack White album, and it 1,000% was not doing that at all. December 2016, it was <laughs> just in the middle of that Jack drought. It was, yeah, not even in the, yeah, I guess in the in the dog days of that Jack, Jack drought, it was, it was exciting, and I, James, I think I like, ugh. all right, I think it's fair to say that Battle Cry is more a spiritual successor to Lazaretto than it is a precursor to Boarding House Reach. 
I think that's fair yeah. to say. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a good coda to Lazaretto. Yeah. So my favorite Jack project in recent history is Lazaretto for sure. Like it's my, my in my top two. That and Get Behind mm. Me, Satan are competing. But personally, I think I would have maybe liked to have heard more tunes perhaps a collection or even an EP connected to this that were more in this vein, you know, uh, and, and we did never get that. So I hope we get something like this uh, again in this particular style because it, you know, it's got that, it's got what I love in a Jack tune. It's got screeching guitar. It's got driving rhythm. It doesn't have the lyrics. Of course, it's an instrumental with some chanting and whatnot, but I was overjoyed to hear it on the Boarding House Reach tour simply because I never thought I would have the opportunity to hear this live because at the time, you know, we didn't know when he would be touring again and why would he play this of all things. So I love this song. Song holds a special place in my heart and I would love to hear more like it. Yeah, agreed. And it sounds like you have a real love for riff rock, Paul. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it was a fun high in a low low musical point. I shouldn't say that. Jack was doing a lot during that year and we we went over that again. We're, we're plugging episodes I know, left and I right, know. but our our 2016 year in review, he he clearly is doing just a crap ton, just not of his own solo material he's he's helping with other people's material yeah. anyway we'll move on to 2017 third man records releases a tiger's game exclusive by the brush offs hmm. a, a band consisting of brendan benson dominic davis oh, ben yes. blackwell and olivia jean wild this is a record that features the song strikeout recorded by artists under the name of the brush offs please um, tell me you tracked this down oh yes i, I got it side is an interview jack white conducted with two-time world series champion kirk gibson it was featured uh, detroit colors on the 45 a blue and orange and was available through a ticket package and some of the proceeds were set to benefit the kirk gibson foundation and the detroit tigers foundation so some charitable aims there it has a, the song has a distinct surf rock vibe to it which uh the olivia jean connection kind of makes sense with that yes it does and it's it's super upbeat and fun. It evokes a, a little league, summer fun, youthful game kind of feel to it. Something you'd play with with uh, your friends when you were little with cicadas chirping in the background. Very Pete and Pete kind of yeah. visuals it's given. The single was cut at Jack White's Nashville studio and is inspired by a game Brendan Benson's father would play in southwest Detroit called Strikeout. Interesting. A very cool song, a very cool little release. Featuring friend of the um, show, Ben Blackwell. Yes, and a uh, friend of the show, Dominic Davis, <sighs> and hopefully soon to be friends of the show, Brendan Benson. <laughs> this would be the, the first 
uh, release that Third Man would do in conjunction with Major League Baseball. The second release uh, would come very soon after that. Third Man would release a Eddie Vedder Cubs exclusive ticket package in which um, there was a single featuring Eddie Vedder's 2007 Cubs anthem all the way as its A-side and a 1984 recording of Go Cubs Go on the B-side. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed First time you walk into Wrigley Field Our heroes wear pinstripes, heroes in blue Give us the chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win and if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way uh, And it was available exclusively with Cubs tickets for their home game at Wrigley Field on July 6th. Very cool. Against the Cincinnati Reds. Huh. Uh, so another another Pearl Jam connection. Yeah, we're going to have to just do a Pearl Jam episode eventually, Think I think, James, because these, uh, think so. there's a lot of intersection here. They're, they're, they're all over the map. They're very globe hall. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so those are the, the official baseball releases that, that come to mind, but uh, you also have things like Seven Nation Army, which became basically baseball's, or all sports's, anthem of choice mm-hmm. to, to rally the crowd, as well as being uh, hype music and walk-up music for many baseball players. How cool is it to hear them using your music as the walk-up music? Yeah, a couple of players used. I think last year, they were four different players used the song. <laughs> Something crazy like that with Holiday and uh, Iglesias. And um, that's incredible. That's an incredible honor. Uh, including Jose Iglesias, who uses Seven Nation Army as his walk-up music. Uh, Jack White says it's an incredible honor to hear his music used as these songs for not one but two players, as Lazaretto was also used by Ian Kinsler. Yeah. Now Battle Cry is used by Ian Kinsler and several other of the Warstick Major League crew. This episode is interesting for me because I never really thought of him trying to officially license his music to Major League Baseball, so it makes all the sense in the universe to come up with a sporty-like song that is an instrumental that is meant to be walk-up music for people who play with Warstick Bats, it makes that song make so much more sense. I am very happy to learn this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like he wrote a jingle for his favorite song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but with the mindset that he understands that he can monetize that jingle. And then more than the money, obviously Jack doesn't really... He does it for the money, like everybody, but not exclusively for the money. I think more than anything, probably just to hear people use it at baseball games, the thing he loves. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and raise some money for charity on the side and raise some recognition for Warsting. Yeah. It's a win-win-win. It's, it's, like, it's a very good marketing idea. It's a very good song. Mm-hmm. Anyway, from there, we'll, we'll move on to our last topic, Paul, before the interview. Official imagery and music with baseball references in it. Ooh, sounds very broad. James, hit me. As far as Jack White music with baseball references in it, there's only one that comes to mind, Paul. Can you guess what it is? Oh, wait, 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 wait. 
Is it, I think I smell a rat with the baseball bat. That's the one. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. One. Okay, cool, cool. Got it. All Nailed it. All the little it. kids, they're carrying around baseball yeah, bats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all uh, right. And I think I smell a rat. Hey, can I say? Uh, so that's, uh, swish. Yeah, yeah, the baseball thing. Swish. But aside from that, Jack White has used baseball in, in imagery and merchandising. He has uh, put out several baseball tees, including some of the uh, Sandlot game uniforms they use. Uh, they've made available to the public through the Third Man website. Mm-hmm. Rob Jones has used baseball imagery for a lot of his posters, including uh, the Fenway 2014 show that Jack White played. Rob Jones did a baseball card handbill poster that was based off of a Ty Cobb yes. 1909 tobacco card, yeah. which had an image of Jack uh, kind of super, yeah. his face superimposed onto Ty Cobb. But Jack had the Elvis, Elvis cut. And yes. Yeah, yes. yeah I, I remember uh, the, doing that when we did our that episode with friend of the show, Rob Jones. I think I found that, and, and it was one of my favorites that uh, I had found of Rob's uh, art at that time. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting little... Uh, little poster good good collage work with it the back of the handbill has a lazaretto brand cigarette ad mm-hmm. which was much like the original cigarette cards that they were based off of the ad itself is heavily inspired by the tolstoy or piedmont cigarette ads tolstoy and piedmont used the same design work i don't know why for the 1909 baseball card set there's a three finger variant of this handbill also available uh, but it's much rarer where Jack White has three fingers on the bat instead of five. Hmm. I also found in that 1909 card set that there is a baseball player named Jack White from That's Buffalo. Right. I remember this. In 1909. Yeah. I would like to point out that that was brought up during one of our like weird year one segments other people named Jack White in history, <laughs> which we we did like a couple times in our first year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and trust me, I found a lot of baseball players and other sports players named Jack White that I was just like, maybe I should put this in, and then I didn't because there's so many. Yeah, there's like a football player, uh, I think, I remember. And Honestly, the first yeah. year of this podcast is a giant blur for me, so I don't <laughs> remember much. Yeah, that 1909 baseball motif would continue on for a series of three posters that Rob Jones would also do, one for Honolulu, one for Santiago, and one for Point Alegre, featuring Nietzsche, Freud, and Horace. Ooh, hoo, hoo. She's built for speed like a black cast from Dolores. Good for the needy, like Nietzsche, Freud, and Horace, but I'm skin. Nietzsche for Honolulu, Horace for Santiago, and Freud for Porto Alegre. Alegre, I think it is. It's good for the needy, James. The Freud poster, it took me hours to find what these posters were based off of. The Ty Cobb one for Jack <laughs> was easy, but I, I, for some reason, it was really hard to find pictures of these baseball cards, these tobacco cards, and I don't know why, or at least specific ones. Mm-hmm. But the Freud poster was Freud's face imposed on Rube Crow on the 19, from the 1909 tobacco card set wow the horace face was superimposed on the 1909 image of jimmy sheckard specifically the jimmy sheckard glove showing card (laughs) but the card was in reverse paul (laughs) so rob reversed the card and put horace's face on him and also added some some different backdrops for all of these and the nietzsche face was put on ed willett's 1909 card so it was nietzsche's face superimposed onto ed willett's anyway and that's not the the last time we'll see any baseball card like things for jack tops 
also as well as making the the Tigers first pitch card of Jack White also made a card for Jack White for the Detroit Tigers I believe this was a card that was handed out by Jack White himself to people and it uh, it showed Jack as a first baseman Uh, He bats left, throws right. It was card number three, and on the back of the card, it says, Jack stole first base for a record three times. Who knew that was even possible? (laughs) Very good, very good. Yes, Uh, and lastly, uh, during the 2018 Cooperstown show, Alan Hine devised a baseball-themed pennant-slash-ticket poster set, two, two different ones that were available for Cooperstown. And Paul... That'll do it. Wow. It's not comprehensive by any means, but uh, boy, was there a lot of baseball in (laughs) Jack White's history. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we'll get to uh, another baseball episode in the future, James. But in the meantime, let's uh, kick it to our uh, very special guest, Third Man, this week. Let's kick it to our very special guest, Third Man, this week. We'd like to welcome once again the amazing, fantastic, Warstick founder himself, baseball bat maker extraordinaire, Mr. Ben Jenkins. Thank you for coming on the show again, Ben. Thanks for having me, guys. Ben, you're back. Maker of dreams, hmm. sculptor of wood, baseman of ball. Right. You're you're here with us again. Yeah. How, lo- how long has it been? A year and a oh. half, I want to say. Yeah, something oh like that. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> it's been a minute. Oh, man. The Warstick HQ was not even, was but a glimmer in your eye at that point. I think they had just announced it recently, so. Yeah, it's, it's man, so much has happened. That's that's crazy that it's been that long because there's been a massive amount of things happening. So yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Seems like yesterday, guys. Well, for the folks <laughs> out there who who don't know, Ben is the founder of a design company, One Fast Buffalo, as well as the founder of one of the premier baseball bat makers. I'll just say it of uh, this century, as seen in the World Series, by the way. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, (laughs) Along with co-founders Ian Kinsler and Jack White, what's Warstick been up to in the last year and a half since we checked in? Oh, man. That would take a couple hours. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I could give you the highlights, I guess. It's so much. Um, Let's start with with the HQ. You got... uh, When last we spoke, your HQ was was just sounded like some designs. You had some aesthetic. You had some ideas. Mm -hmm. We went over some of that stuff. So what's, uh, what's going on on that front? It's moving along. You know, everything like that takes longer than you hope you know one because the reality is we're in the middle of growing a a young business right and it's still more important to focus on that than it is this kind of crazy thing and we want to do that right so um you know it's kind of a juggling act uh but what another thing that uh in a way slowed it down was a good thing we built kind of a temporary pop-up shop that we kind of overdid and did so good that you know it kind of and that's been open since last uh february march something like that so it's really cool uh, it's not big but it's really been great and and open most of the week every week and so in a way that kind of allowed us to kind of say you know what there's no rush here to like to to do this as fast as we can because this is cool and people want to come see this and a lot of people thought it was the real thing so sure you know sure. good design does that so um part of that just allowed us to kind of take a breath and slow down and really keep trucking on the business and growing and i'm i think since we talked to you guys things have you know, always, people would always tell me, you know, this is going to blow up. This is going to blow up. And I didn't know what that meant. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, ooh, do I get a, a letter in the mail when we officially blow up? I mean, what signals that? And yeah, I think if and you I, explode, you will be the last one to know. Right. And then yeah. about 
I don't know, last, really last, this time, about this time last year, things kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. And then they've been kind of blowing up since. And I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> so the business has just been growing a ton in the last year. And that's just that's really great. accelerated growth. And I'm really proud. It's been in a way that we're really proud of. It's um, It's been really, I don't know, maybe the momentum of just the right word of mouth and um, the right amount of stories in the press and just focusing on the business. It's not like we're heavily advertising it more than we did. And we don't really do that. We just try to focus on the experience people have with it. And, you know, like you said, word of mouth is still, is still king, you know? Yeah. And if you're not doing that, who gives a crap? You right. Know? <laughs> right, right. I mean, you say your, your advertising hasn't been more, but your Instagram has been uh, blowing up. Like people really like well, that. Yeah. That stuff. Okay. I mean, well, if, yeah. I mean, if we call that in, uh, Instagram, I would say, you know, what's kind of crazy. I mean, inside scoop is that I really, what I did is... <sighs> first couple of years of Jack, you know, coming on with a company, you know, it's a lot of figuring out well, what do we do? Like you, when you get money, it doesn't mean you just have, you got to figure out how to grow, you know, how, mm-hmm. how what's going to do that. It's not like when they put the money in a bank company just starts growing. So there's a lot of experimenting and things like that. And one of the things I got away from was really letting one fast Buffalo be the heart and soul and center of the creativity. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of listened to the business people a little bit too much, I think, and got away from that. And then, um, you know, about a year ago I said, you know what, that's wrong. And, um, kind of went back to it and made one fast Buffalo basically be the marketing and creative soul again. And boom, then the blow up happened. I mean, it's kind of as simple as that because we, we had that back. And so Instagram is a great example. I mean, we just, you know, it's not so much about, oh, are you good at social media? It's, are you good at creating interesting content and really in real things? You know, so yeah. we just put a ton of energy into putting on these really cool events uh, over the last year. A lot of them with Jack. It's been really good timing for him to be on tour. And we're doing Sandlot games around his a lot of his uh, shows that have been some amazing experiences. You know, the, this, the good social content comes from good old hard planning. <laughs> yeah, of, right. You know, just creative projects, was the, which is the thing that we're really good at at OFB. So, yeah, and that's so that's really grown. And I get I don't really see it as advertising i see it as like hey let's create this experience and just capture what it is about then you got content and then people like it and then you go right yeah. anyway yeah 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 the sandlot games are so cool i mean they, they just oh, really man. they've been captivating like people who like I, i've been hearing from jack fans who just never have been to a baseball game in their life and they <laughs> had uh, they have a blast uh, I, was, oh, yeah. I was lucky enough to be at the battle at the beach and uh, had a had a wonderful really? time cheering right, right. on yeah. oh yeah i remember okay you're right you're yeah. right yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it was cool it was uh, it was a lot of fun I, I'm really happy you guys are doing yeah. those things. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, that was like a. Um, so we. It's funny when we do these. There's always a big kind of vote between you know whatever me my guys and Jack and and, and Lalo is tour manager and whatever we're doing and it's a, like is this one private or public right. and that's kind of a big deal because public ones are a lot more chaotic and a, you know just a lot more planning and stuff and then the private ones are a little simpler and that one that you went to is very much kind of a no one knew about it right yeah, it, yeah. i think very, you would announce it like the day before or something like that yeah, yeah just kind of a friends and family kind of thing like that and then you know it almost in a way is cooler because it's like wow these guys just got together and play baseball and they right. happen to be showing <laughs> us that they did it now and then we've done some that are very public and we did one in dallas where we had you know a couple thousand people and that was just one of the coolest vibes ever i've seen even in my playing days you know and so i know right. that was fun for jack cooperstown oh I'm so I'm so upset. I missed the Cooperstown one. Yeah, Cooperstown was. Uh, I mean, for for Jack, for me, for all the people there, it was one of those times. It was like we've all said that was easily one of the top. I mean, 
I've heard Jack say this is the best day of his life a couple times, so sometimes I think he says a little, but um, it was just uh, it's just one of those, like, oh, this is the best day of my life. And it's just, for Jack, it was like, okay, we, we got to play a Sandlot game in the mud. It was extremely fun. We went straight from there to the show, and, the, and it was like kind of like Woodstock, where it was like raining the entire time. Oh, it was great. And it was awesome, but like yeah. awesome. And um, our whole squad was like up on the side stage. I don't remember where, it, it was a blur, but somewhere in the middle of the show, his guitar tech says, hey guys, he wants you guys to come on stage. And we looked at him like, no, that's a bad, that's a bad idea. It was, it was during Steady As She Goes. Oh, was it? Okay. Yep. And we're like, that's a bad idea, man. He's like, no, really. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And of course we look like idiots, but it was just kind of amazing, surreal type feeling because why does that happen? And then, um, <laughs> and then, you know, like, I don't know what the word is, the joy, like after the show, it was just pure joy. And fueling all that was he knew, he knew that he got into the, um, the, their director of the baseball hall of fame was at the game and, mm -hmm. um, he gave Jack an award and, and basically said, Hey, I want to take this bat that you used and put it in the hall of fame. And Jack almost like fell apart right oh, yeah. so it's just kind of all of that fueling a show and it was like it was amazing it's gonna be hard to ever top that one no matter what we do it's all that one's that that one's the bar at this point so and uh not only is it a jack white bat it's a war stick bat too so yeah. you're in the hall of fame you did it yeah man no it's cool and, and uh yeah it's it was very surreal and um i got to do kind of the um presentation with the guy and it was no it was super cool and now yeah ian's already in the hall of fame and yeah no jack jack is it, you know, genuinely like stoked about that. Like, okay, wow. that game. Uh, I swear mm -hmm. to God, I passed right by you guys uh, driving because I mm -hmm. was driving back from the Hall of Fame that morning, and then I saw a baseball diamond, like with what seemed to be a little league on it, and me going, "Wouldn't mm -hmm. it be crazy if Jack White was over there?" And I think, <laughs> I think that was you guys, and it makes me very. Well. To be honest, it was a super rainy day, and there was really no no one really had any business playing baseball that day. So yeah. the reality is, I don't think anybody else was playing baseball. Like the mayor, we found a little uh, uh, ball field not in Cooperstown, right, right down the road, and yeah. like the mayor of the mayor of that town was out there like helping dry the field and prep the field <laughs> to get it ready because he knew because he the hall of fame director had said you know jack wants to play baseball really bad <laughs> and he's like i want to make it happen so i mean if you saw someone playing baseball i don't know who else was playing other than us and it was raining the whole time which was crazy so I would, well, I would like to point out, I would like to take this opportunity to point out that you and Jack White got into a Hall of Fame before Jack and Meg got into a Hall of Fame. So you mm. can take that with you and do with it yeah, what you well. will. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. I will not do anything with it. To, I'm not doing any of this. It's just kind of happening, you know what I mean? Yeah. So of so. the bats that could have made it into the Hall of Fame, would mm -hmm. it have been one of your selection of bats? Well, I mean, I think the ultimate thing, even for Jack and I and Ian, would be, I mean, that one's really cool because it's kind of, the Hall of Fame director explained that they really, you know, not everything in the Hall of Fame is, oh, this was a bat from the World Series and this happened, you know, just mm -hmm. straight baseball. He likes to mix it up and talk about how culture intersects with baseball. And so this is a very much kind of a how music and culture intersect with baseball type exhibit that he's going to be, I guess, building around this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's super cool. And I'm proud for Warstick because that is kind of what we're influencing, right? But would I like like a World Series crazy moment in the history of baseball bat to get in? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jack, Jack would too because he's, you know, such, he's so enthralled with the game and, and the history of it and 
and all that stuff. And uh, so, I mean, that could happen. You we know, can fear to the cool. World Series from that because not only hmm. did you get into the Hall of Fame with a with a worst dig bat, the first home run of the World Series this year was a worst dig hmm. bat, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, uh, yeah, from the actually, Dodgers. That's crazy. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, so uh, Matt Kemp, who's a really great player, joined up with Warstick in the offseason. And then, you know, a lot of people had written him off and kind of said he's too old and he's washed up and this and that. And then he proceeded to basically be one of the best stories in baseball this year and have this huge comeback career, which culminated in um, the Dodgers making all the way to the World Series. So kind of one of our main, I guess you would call him ambassadors, a guy swinging our bat makes it to the World Series, then of course Ian makes it to the World Series, then then yeah. Game 1, me and Jack and Lalo um, get to go to Game 1, and lo and behold, so it was actually Warstick's first at-bat in the World Series. It was actually Matt Kemp's first at-bat in the World Series. Wow. wow. So we were kind of out in uh, left, left field line, and he hit it, and you know, we're all three just looking up, kind of it's flying overheads, and we're just all, you can hear us all saying, please go out, please go out, please go out. <laughs> um, and then we just kind of like lost our minds, you know? So we actually, it was really cool to, to see it, just yeah. to be there and have it flying overhead kind of thing. And then, um, and that kind of led to, I guess the exposure they gave us on TV was ridiculous. So. Which, by the way, we were getting like calls and texts from friends and family saying like, hey, Jack White's on the World Series. And James and I are watching it going, we think that's Ben. That looks like Ben. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was amazing. That was me talk just about... hiding under my hat. Yeah. <laughs> but talk about exposure. Like that is the ultimate advertising. Uh, two players Whoa. on two different teams, both in the World Series, both using your like, bats. Like some kind of weird arms dealer in this war that's going on in the field because you have you have an in on both sides you're like i have weaponized both of you guys yeah uh you know yeah i mean i yeah i could work my channels let's just say but like, like i said the reality is i'm only able to work my channels because the story is interesting and people are generally interested in it so um actually i mean really what happened is just I mean, just a string of events. I I was in an Angels-Dodgers game earlier in the summer. Um, actually, the, the the California Sandlot game, I think, is when. No, no, that was before that. Anyway, so I'm in a Cal, I'm in an Angels-Dodgers games. I meet in the in the clubhouse. I meet Ken Rosenthal, who's the reporter who did that, and he's he's Fox he's Fox Baseball's main kind of on on uh, sideline reporter. Really great guy, super yeah. super respected baseball. And just and someone introduced me to him, and he said, "Oh man, this is really cool." And turns out, of course, his son's a giant Jack White fan, like giant. He's young, 25. And into music, and um, I said, "Well, Jackson tour. If you're ever in the same city, we can take you to the show." And he took me up on it, right? And so he went to a show in Santa Barbara. He and his son got to see Jack up close and got the whole experience. And then, then you know, we ended up in the World Series, and I'm on the field the uh, pregame, and there's Ken, and he says, "Hey, uh, you know, we do these little uh, sideline reports, and it, so you've got Matt Kemp and Kinsler swinging the bat in the game, right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, is Jack here? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> and uh, kind of said, no promises, but I mean, it might be cool if we talked about that. And I was like, I would be fine with that. Um, yeah, no but I, didn't, I didn't think he would do it, you know, because it's the World Series and it's game one and it's Nash, it's broadcast over the world. And it's like, you've got better things to talk about than us. But I think when Matt hit that home run, I thought, hmm, they might do this because it's just an interesting side note. And um, about 10 minutes later, I got a text that said, where are you guys sitting? And I told Jack, um, <laughs> I, would, I, think, I think they might do this. And then they did it. So, I mean, it had to be, it was pretty surreal just because of the moment. And like, yeah, it cost us zero. And it had to be 
I'd say it's better than a commercial because yeah. you have a ca- you have a captive audience because it's in game. So it's yeah. basically an in game captive audience hearing a testimonial. Yeah, well, witnessing a insane. testimonial. Like right. <laughs> the, yeah. the proof is in the pudding. And I oh, I would say I would not call it unworthy of attention on the on the World Series because uh, what Warstick is doing is something that's bringing something fresh to an industry that kind of needed something fresh Mm -hmm. uh yeah they've been working with the same equipment for decades upon decades upon decades if not centuries so having something new in the game is exciting uh if not for the people who are watching casually than for the baseball nerds who are looking at equipment you know well i think i hope i'm not sure major league baseball super liked that i have no idea but i have i doubt that they really loved that we got that attention i know my competitors didn't like it i know that (laughs) the official bat sponsor of major league baseball was like probably losing their mind because they (laughs) aren't getting that and i just think you know i try i'm trying to have a great relationship with major league baseball which is tough because they are very traditional and they are very rule oriented and they're change slowly and i'm not trying to change the game but i think there's a mindset of adding to it and everything's evolving around them so at some point the game has to change with culture within the context of also respecting the game but um you know i'm hoping that it's helping them anything that they were doing if we're bringing more excitement to the game to people that maybe didn't pay attention to to it as much that's got to help them in a little way but still I mean, it's literally um, a fresh coat uh, of paint. You I, was, know? I, mean, I was about ready for maybe the, uh, you know, like one of those blackouts to happen on TV during the, the testimonial, <laughs> like the Major League Baseball was going to pull the plug on the on the thing or something yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, we, you could have been you could have been the Janet Jackson's nipple of the World right. Series this year. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I tell Jack, I told Jack, I go, you know, we work hard every day to get, you know, more awareness. If you just streak across the field naked, we could just end this right now. And this yeah. would be really easy, man. <laughs> It, it would definitely uh, change people's perception of Jack White at baseball games because right now he's memed as a guy who frowns, and if he streaked, yeah, that would definitely. Well, do you know something. what's crazy? That whole thing is crazy. I've got I've gone to many baseball games with him now, and I've been to many. I've gone to tons of baseball games with people that are there, people that are genuinely bored at a baseball game, right? Mm-hmm. And they yeah. are really not into it. They're on their phone. When I go with Jack and and Lalo and these guys, like. I have to pay attention to every pitch because they're into every pitch. They're, they're as into it as anyone that you ever see at a baseball game from a fan perspective. Um, Dominic keeps score old school <laughs> on paper. And I make fun of him like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm keeping score. It's cool. I'm like, that's not cool. It's but, 2018, Dominic. Come on. There's an I know, but it's, back, Dominic. But it's cool. It's like I'm bringing vinyl back. I'm bringing score keeping back, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. And, the fact, the idea that Jack would be at a baseball game not having fun is kind of comical to me. Now, yeah. the look on your face might not say it. It's because he's paying attention. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then actually when they were filming us during that commentary, you know what we were doing? We were actually watching Ian hit. We were serious because we're like, we, our boy needs a hit. Yeah, yeah. So we not we might not look like all happy and jovial, but we're focused on, it's kind of like watching your kid or watching your brother in a big situation, like it's not funny. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, hey, we, I want my boy to get a hit, you know. So we probably didn't look like that, and you know, so that whole meme thing. Oh, it's it dumb. Does, I, I, it's dumb, and it's. But you know, I've I've kind of learned now the whole internet troll thing, and I get it now. You just, it's part of it, and 
you expect it. And like Ian had a rough game, like game five, I think he had a really rough game. Just kind of some bad things just kind of kept happening to him and he took ownership to it. But oh my God, the trolls came out and just murdered him, you know? And it's like, you feel for him because you, I know what it's like to be in his shoes in a much smaller scale, of course, but it sucks, man. Trolls suck. F you trolls. But we don't care about <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. And you realize that you realize the the makeup of that kind of thing. You re- you recognize what's going on there, and it's not. It doesn't matter. It's like whatever, you know. Yeah. And if you weren't doing anything, no one would give you crap. If you weren't making any noise, no one would give you crap. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, speaking of making something old, like Dominic was was keeping score on paper, making something mm-hmm. old seem seem new and fresh and cool. Mm-hmm. You guys uh, had implemented some really good-looking lathes into your system, uh, which mm. I have to yeah. ask, was Jack White involved in the design, or was that completely Ben Jenkins' original? The bat lathe? Yeah, um, the gold tone. Mm, that was pretty me. You know, that was more Jack and me and Ian agreeing that um, we needed to kind of, the scale thing, we needed to improve, we needed to be able to make more bats more quickly and stuff like that, so Ian actually just put up the money for that, and and we put it into the system, And um, but it was kind of like, I would say that where Jack came into it is that we're talking and we're like, so we're going to buy, you know, these are, these are really high tech machines. This is a CNC lathe. It's, it's a couple hundred grand and it's, it's no toy and it's, but it's not cool. Right. It's kind of, it's sterile. So mm-hmm. it's a woodworking Jack's, machine. Yeah. It is, but it's also like, it's, it's encased in like a just tan metal and it's not cool looking. So it's like, you know, let's have fun with this and make it a character in the story. So, um, we painted it metallic gold. We like powder coated it metallic gold which is kind of weird so it looks really crazy and beautiful almost like a religious kind of (laughs) golden thing and then yeah yeah, and then i named it i named it i named it the razor rita which is like kind of named after the saint rita who's a patron saint of the impossible which is kind of a weird other connection jack and i share which is a whole longer other story but um we came up with this kind of you know it's just having fun but it's like you know this can't remember how we said it but it was like razor rita is like cutting bats made to defeat the impossible right just kind of embellishing the like you know that these bats that you're getting there's something special in them you know that kind of thing which is it true but it is from a spiritual standpoint right yeah it's kind of like the care and and creativity that goes into it and it's just having fun with it so well you're Um, both natural storytellers so like it it makes sense you know we get bored with stuff we get bored with stuff yeah, yeah. So what are we gonna do? Call what are we gonna do? Call this call this the lathe? <laughs> it's just <laughs> you know. Now did he did he try and call one Rita Hayworth perhaps? Was there, you was know, Rita Hayworth he, in there? It's funny you say that because he wanted to we still may do it. He wanted to paint kind of a um we kinda we did it we did half the idea, but like you know the World War Two bombers that would have the kind of yeah, pinup yeah. girl paintings? Yeah. That was that was where the that was what we wanted to do. That's where we got to something like Rita. Um, we just never took it as far as like painting a pinup girl on it. But um, if I give the guy a paintbrush, it'll be on there in a heartbeat. Trust me. She, um, but it just but I tell you where the idea went. It's like well, this is kind of like honoring a saint. So are we going to make the saint Rita a pinup girl? And he's, yeah. Anyway, they. So let's sleep on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. I know time's pretty short. Is there is there anything you you wanna you wanna plug before before we get going? I mean, for Jack White fans specifically, one of the great things that's been going on this year is when we do these Sandlot games, we do um, a commemorative bat um, that Jack's 
And we've done four, I think we're on our fourth Jack White limited edition bat auction. So they have been doing tremendously and that nice. raises a lot of money for our cause um, to support Native American youth uh, in baseball. And um, there's a really cool one online right now. We did a Sandlot game in Tulsa and it was very much a Native focused kind of thing. And there's a cool little film you can watch about it and stuff like that. And I think it's the coolest bat that we've done. And um, we'll be doing another Sandlot <clears throat> game maybe in Nashville <clears throat> um, next week, and um, <laughs> there might be a new bat. There might be a new bat for that Ooh, as well. Ooh. So I think before Christmas shopping is over, there might be a fifth bat that people could get their hands on. Nice. And again, it goes to a really cool cause, and that's been again like I've seen Jack sign these bats like literally walk off the stage, go into the dressing room. Five minutes later, he's signing 50 bats. And it's just like, you don't, you don't have to do this right now. And he's like, no, I like, this is a great time to do this. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. So there's probably real Jack White sweat on them. You know, that kind of thing. So. There's a certain audience out there, I'm sure, who wants that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. The, the Tumblr contingent, yeah. So that's yeah. cool. I mean, like, it's always, it's just, uh, you know, it's still a young company. It's growing and anything people can do to tell other people about it is still the biggest thing and um, buying stuff is great and um, all that stuff. No, be an internet troll. I mean, just crap like that. Yeah, because I can't think of anything. I can't, I, you know, I don't know when the grand opening is going to be. We've kind of hoping kind of more February, March this point. So that will okay. be fun when it comes out. So yeah, just thanks for your support and buy Jack White Records and all that stuff. Yeah, man. Well, thank you uh, again for coming on today, Ben. It was it is always yeah, a pleasure to uh, chat with you, and these Sandlot games have been tremendous. Uh, I I hope they continue on into whatever next iteration of either tour or you know Warstick event might be. But uh, yeah. thanks again for joining us today and keeping uh, keeping us up to speed on all the great stuff going on over there at Warstick. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Talk to you yeah. soon. All right, all right, Ben. All right, uh, thanks. Let's get back to the show. James, we learned a lot. We played hard. We loved hard. We fought hard. Battle. We die hard. We die hard. The one in the airport. We lived free and we died yeah. hard. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and thank you to our third man, Ben Jenkins, for joining us once again on the show. It's really cool to talk to Ben again. And he's uh, he's so gracious with his time and, and very kind to us. So we appreciate that. We would like to send some shout outs, James. Some people who are talking about the show online. We'll start with some regular listeners here, an assortment of regular listeners. We have the Brett Three Killed My Garski. We have No Right Opinion for You Here, Go Away. We have Brian Walter Be Nicer to Me. We have Brendan and Smith. We have uh, Yvette Wilkins. She's Woken on Sunshine. We have S.A. Franco. We don't know you. We have David Poe. We were pretty off on that one. We have Eric Andrew Dotson over here. LOL 2.0 is very funny. Amy Hart, the heart of the operation. The Red Red Rain Prosper. Adrian King, the punk rock queen. Callie Durgar, third woman in spirit every week. Eileen, we see you over there. Corsano, Andre, the ice cold lie man. My oh me, it's me oh my. Jeremy Riles, keeping us on the rails. God, this list is long these days. Kate McCoy, the bones mm. of the operation. Of course, Ben, the beer man, Blues Carnes. Thank you all so much for being our great and loyal listeners. We also wanted to... Uh, Send a special shout out to Luke and Logan. They'd sent us uh, some. We, you know what, James? Ever since we put out the call for the 
one for the five star one word review posers on our iTunes page. I've been hearing from a lot of people who've been saying like we've been I've been a listener since episode one. I just haven't said anything up to this point. So thank you. The list we shared here is but a smattering and it's only the people who are really talking to us on social media. So if you are a regular listener to the show, we want to hear from you, of course, and you could do do so and you know, James, I'm, I think we have some new people who have reached out over social media oh, as well. We want to thank. Yeah, we've got some people on uh, on Facebook and and other places. Uh, I think we've thanked him before, uh, but uh, thank you to Vito Hicks as well as uh, Kyle Ledford. Uh, you guys are you're always there as well. Yeah, Vito and Kyle, um, I think are they might have to hit the list next time, James. We might have to just do like a an a abbreviated list. Uh, with different people every episode. Yeah, maybe that's what getting, we'll do. It's, it's, getting, it's long, getting pretty long. Uh, which is good. It's a good thing. I'm very thankful oh, that you thing. guys are listening. Yes. It's a good thing. But uh, we'd also like to thank uh, some, some new people like uh, Joanne Beggs. Thank you so much. Frank Howard Woodman the fourth, Jessica Ann, Rachel Grubb, and Zopi Chalk. Thank you guys so much. Dean Ballard, James Bushert. Shara Ermitanya. It's literally my favorite part of every episode is listening to James pronounce these Thank names. Thank you guys so much. He tries so hard. Shane White. And all I can do uh, is heckle as he... Jason Lutz, <laughs> Omar Lanigan or Lanigan, Alawiya Colden. We've got so many new people, Paul. It's it's like mind-boggling. Thank you all so much for uh, liking and sharing the show. Uh, we appreciate it, and I'm sorry I'm butchering your names. Yeah, and if you'd like to be one of the people whose names we butcher, you can contact contact us on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash thirdmen, on Twitter at thirdmencast, on Tumblr, thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on our WordPress page, thethirdmen.wordpress.com. You can send us an email to thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. You could find us on Pippa. Pippa's where we host the show, and they're tremendous. They're podcast podcasting hosting service and they've just opened so many doors for us we're uh we're hitting 30,000 downloads now and between us and our sister show the yesterday and today podcast which by the way we haven't plugged in a while if you're a fan of the beatles check out the yesterday and today podcast it's quite good we uh sort of i don't know if produce is the right word but we maybe executive produce it for our father so uh definitely sure. check that out and then um, you can uh, search us on YouTube, where James does some funny visualizers and animations and such. And then please rate, review, and subscribe. I mentioned earlier, this is sort of an in-joke for people who listen to the Ben Blackwell extended interview, but in that interview, Ben called us posers. And if you leave us a five-star review of the podcast on iTunes with the one word or include it in some way, posers... We, you can get creative. Some people did. Yeah, some people did. And you're doing it, so everybody you did, thank you. Uh, we will send you something. And I guess by now we can kind of tell you what that something is. For now, while supplies last, I will say, uh, we have some very cool Third Men podcast stickers. And I've been mailing stickers left and right, so you will get those uh, if you are so inclined. And it's all free of charge. Uh, all you have to do is spend the time, and we'll spend the money to get it to you. So don't worry about any of that. And you can always send us a listener question. We uh, we do those episodes or segments from time to time. We'd be happy to answer whatever you send in. Yeah. Uh, and as always, we'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help with our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Roundtree for the wonderful, beautiful intros and outros of our program. And Paul, 
I think that'll do it for today. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more uh, plug. One oh, more plug. Uh, one more one plug. More plug. Uh, you'll hear in the commercial at the end of the podcast, but we have net, we have some merch up on our Society6 page, and you can hear, again, more details about that in the commercial at the end of the podcast or find links to it on our social media. But buy some merch. Pick up a T-shirt. Pick up a wall clock. A cutting board. It's literally all there. Uh, and if, you, if you're if you interested in supporting the show, we would very much appreciate it. And you can do that very easily by buying some very cool merch that's up on Society6 right now. And that is, uh, I think you can just search Kaminsky Family Podcasts on there. So, James, that'll be the final plug. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, that's fine. And if anybody does buy the cheese board, I will personally buy them some kind of cheese product so that Man, they can use it on their cheese board. All right. All right, folks, you're going to run us into the poorhouse, but here's what here's but bear with us for a minute. James will buy you cheese. Look, if you thought my jokes were cheesy, you'll love the cheese hey. I get for you. Buy our cheese board. <laughs> well, James, I think until next week then, I will be looking for a home in a merch shop where I can pick up some sweet merch for the Kaminsky family of podcasts. And I'll be looking for a home in a dugout where I can shout at you because you're out of here. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski I, yeah, I tell you what, I updated my OS because I updated my iPhone, and then when I went to go sync my iPhone, it's like, <laughs> your is old. So I had to update the OS just so that I could sync my iPhone. <laughs> and Steve Jobs himself came out and kicked me in the nuts. Yeah. Really? Is, is the lag that bad? I mean, you look like we're on a coast-to-coast internet chat from 1999 that's like really groundbreaking you are frozen on on your video but that's fine am i can you hear me what oh my god what oh my headphones were plugged we're still plugged into the computer i'm so sorry it's still recording, right? We still yeah, got no, here. no, it's still recording. Yeah. Yeah. I am so sorry. I didn't get so much of value to that anyway, so... <laughs> and then there's that pervert who's yelling about shredding papers. <laughs> Who I always think is Steve Buscemi, but I'm certain isn't it's Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, but he's got the lips for <laughs> he it. May- <laughs> he's got those Buscemi lips. Just in a Got to. You got to. Yeah. Ooh, so Jack's been- my veins are blue, baby. Hey.
connect to do you, baby? You can't see it at home, but I'm sort of vaguely thrusting. Thank God your video is frozen. I can't see it. Every single bone in your brain. Bone in your brain? Does he say bone in your brain? Yeah. I hear a baby. I hear a baby. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, my daughter, my infant daughter will be uh, joining us on this call in a papoose. Come on, but did Yes, so... There was a lot of thrusting with that. That was weird. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> we reintroduced you to our dumb system of podcasting, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. It was so much easier before we realized people were listening to this. Um, swish, swish, bish. There's reasons I have. Anyway, there's, it doesn't there's matter. There's reasons. It's, it's cigarettes. I love that. I love that <laughs> we, the show sometimes is like, there's reasons for it. We don't have to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not already ass deep in the weeds out here <laughs> what's happening yeah I think Paul you will do anything to make this global pun stop it's not even a pun it's not even wordplay it's nothing But you. that's a Paul... joke about genitals ha I want, I want the Wookiees to celebrate Christmas James is like, this is going to be breezy. Meanwhile, an hour and 40 minutes later, <laughs> not our finest hour. No. Paul, have we ever had a fine hour? Um, global. Uh, about baseball, he also played a little baseball when he was younger. He was a part of the uh, informal summer program in Clark Park. Uh, they had a baseball program there, which was... Uh, Ben, you're great. Ian, you're great. You're both great. We all we can all agree. Everybody's great. Now, if you could, if you will imagine one atom that is made of cartilage straight from the bird's gullet. Now you won't even know the difference between that and a nice a cow butter bowl giblet.